Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Ineash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Chapter 113, Final Exam The gibbous moon riding higher in the cloudless sky the stars and wash of the Milky Way visible in all their majesty within the darkness. All these illuminated thirty-seven skull masks gleaming above black robes, and the darker-clad Lord Voldemort, whose eyes shone red. "'Welcome, my Death Eaters!' spoke Lord Voldemort's voice, smooth and high and terrible. "'No, do not look at me, you fools! Eyes on the Potter, child!' Ten years it has been, ten years since we last met, yet you answer my call as though it were yesterday. The Dark Lord came near to one hooded figure, tapped fingers upon the mask. In a hastily transfigured mockery of a Death Eater's true armor, with a childish charm to distort your voice. Explain, Mr. Honor. Our old masks and robes said the robe whose mask the Dark Lord had tapped. Even through the distorting timber of the mask, the fear in it was audible. We we were not fighting them, Master, with you gone, so I did not maintain their enchantments. And then you summoned me to appear here, masked, and I... I always held faith in you, Master, but I did not know you would return this very day. I am truly sorry to have displeased you. Enough! The Dark Lord moved on to stand behind another figure that seemed to tremble, though it kept its mask facing the boy who lived and its wand held level. I might think more kindly of such neglect if you had pursued my agenda by other means, Mr. Council. Yet I return to find what? A country conquered in my name? No! I find you playing ordinary politics in the Wizengomet! I find your brothers and sisters still abandoned in Azkaban. It is a disappointment to me. I find myself disappointed. You thought I was gone, the dark mark dead, and you forsook my purpose. Is that right, Mr. Council? No, Master. We we knew you would return, but but we, we could not fight Dumbledore without you. Crucio! A horrible scream tore out of the mask, piercing the night. It continued for long, long seconds. Get up, the Dark Lord said to the figure that had collapsed upon the ground. Keep your wand on Harry Potter. Do not lie to me again. Yes, Master, sobbed the figure as it pushed itself to its feet. Voldemort resumed pacing behind the black-robed figures. I suppose you are also wondering what Harry Potter is doing here. Why he is a guest at my rebirthing party. I know, Master, said one of the robes. You mean to prove your power by killing him in front of us all, to leave no doubt as to which of you is stronger, to show how your killing curse can slay even this so-called boy who lived. There was a pause. None of the cloaked figures dared to speak. Slowly, the Dark Lord Voldemort, in his high-collared shirt and dark robes, turned to face the Death Eater who had spoken. That is 
is a little too much folly for me to credit, Mr. Sallow. You heard that theory of how I died and tried to provoke me into repeating a mistake? Lord Voldemort was floating, rising high off the ground. I suppose you came to prefer your laziness to my mastery, McNair? The Death Eater who'd spoken was suddenly surrounded by a blue haze. He spun, slashed his wand at the Dark Lord, and cried, Avada Kedavra! Voldemort simply tilted to one side in midair, dodging the green bolt. Avada Kedavra! cried the Death Eater. His hand that didn't hold a wand was making other gestures, further colors and layers building up in his shielding haze with each gesture completed. Help me, my brothers, if we all... The Death Eater fell in seven flaming pieces to the ground, chunks of flesh with the cauterized edges still glowing. Eyes and wands on Harry Potter, all of you. And McNair acted in sheer stupidity just then, for I command your marks as I always shall. I am immortal. Master, said another robe. The girl upon the altar. Is she to service for a dark revel? She seems unworthy of such a joyous occasion. I could find better, master, if you give me leave for just a short time. No, Mr. Friendly. The little witch you see upon the altar is none other than Hermione Granger. What? cried one of the black robes, and then... I'm sorry, master, I'm sorry, I beg you... Crucio! This screaming only lasted a few seconds, and Voldemort had performed it as though it were perfunctory. Afterward, Voldemort's voice returned to low amusement. I have resurrected this mudblood through the darkest of magics for my own purposes. You shall not offer her the slightest trouble, any of you. You are better off dead than if I learn my little experiment has come to harm at your hands. This order is absolute, regardless of other circumstances. Even if she escapes, let us say. A cold, high laugh, as if at some joke that nobody else understood. Master, one of the robes said in a faltering voice distorted by his mask. Master, please, I would never defy you. I am obedient, as you see. But, Master, I beg you, let me return. The better to serve you later. I came here in haste, forsaking... Master, with so many of us being gone, others will wander. They will mark the absences who has disappeared. Soon there shall be no alibi I can offer. <laughs> ah, Mr. White, the most delinquent of my servants. I have not yet decided if you will survive your punishment. I have less need of you than I once did, Mr. White. In two days' time, the Death Eaters shall walk openly. My powers have increased, and I have just this day disposed of Dumbledore. More gasps of shock arose from the Death Eaters. Voldemort paid them no heed. Tomorrow I shall slay Bones, Crouch, Moody, and Scrimgore, if they have not fled. The rest of you shall go into the Ministry and the Wizengomet and cast imperious curses as I direct you. We are finished waiting. By tomorrow's nightfall, I shall have declared myself Lord Ruler of Britain! Intakes of breath rose from the gathered masks, but one figure was <laughs> laughing. You find me amusing, Mr. Grimm. Apologies, Master, said the robed figure who had laughed, his wand perfectly level upon where Harry stood. I was glad to hear that you had dispatched Dumbledore. 
I fled from Britain in cowardly fear of him, having lost faith in your return. Voldemort's chuckle resounded within the graveyard. Your candor earns you my mercy, Mr. Grimm. I was surprised to see you here tonight. You are more competent than I suspected. But before we turn our attention to happier matters, there is a certain affair to which I must attend. Tell me, Mr. Grimm, if the boy who lived swore an oath to you, might you trust him? Master, I, I, I don't understand. One or two of the other Death Eaters turned their masks toward Voldemort before quickly fixing their skull gaze on Harry. Answer me! This is not a trick, Mr. Grimm, and you will answer truthfully or bear the consequences. You knew the boy's forebears, did you not? Even knew them for straightforward folk. If the boy freely chose to swear to you an oath, even knowing you for a Death Eater, might you trust his words? Answer me! Uh, yes, Master, I suppose I might. Good. The potential for trust must exist to be sacrificed. And for the bonder of the unbreakable vow, which of you shall sacrifice their magic? It shall be quite the long vow, much longer than usual. Much magic shall be required for that. Voldemort smiled his awful smile. Mr. White shall do. No, please, Master, I beg you. I served you better than any, as best as I could. Crucio! And Mr. White screamed through his mask's distortion for what seemed like a full minute. Be grateful if I leave you your life. Now approach the boy, Mr. Grimm, Mr. White. From behind him, idiot. You must not block the other's wands. The rest of you, you must fire if Harry Potter tries to run, even if it means striking at your fellow Death Eaters. Mr. White took time to approach, the black robe seeming to shake, even as Mr. Grimm moved smoothly into position. What is to be the vow, Master? came the voice of Mr. Grimm. Ah, yes. Today, though I hardly expect even you to believe me, today we are doing Merlin's work, my Death Eaters. Yes, before us stands a great danger, who in his blundering folly has been prophesied to wreak destruction such as even I can scarcely imagine. The boy who lived. The boy who frightens dementors. The cattle who believe they own this world should have been more worried when they saw that. Useless, all of them. Forgive me, said one black robe in a halting voice. Master, surely if that is so... Master, why don't we just kill him right away? Voldemort laughed, a strange, bitter <laughs> laugh. When he spoke on, his high voice was precise. Here is the oath's intent. Mr. Grimm, Mr. White, Harry Potter, listen well and comprehend the vow that must be sworn, for its intent is also binding, and you three must share understanding of its meaning. You will swear, Harry Potter, not to destroy the world, to take no risks when it comes to not destroying the world. This vow may not force you into any positive action. On that account, this vow does not force your hand to any stupidity. Do you understand that, Mr. Grimm, Mr. White? We are dealing with a prophecy of destruction. A prophecy! 
they can fulfill themselves in twisted ways. We must be cautious that this vow itself does not bring that prophecy about. We dare not let this vow force Harry Potter to stand idly after some disaster is already set in motion by his hand, because he must take some lesser risk if he tries to stop it. Nor must the vow force him to choose a risk of truly fast destruction over a certainty of lesser destruction. But all Harry Potter's foolishness, all his recklessness, all his grandiose schemes and good intentions, he shall not risk them leading to disaster. He shall not gamble with the Earth's fate. No researches that might lead to catastrophe. No unbinding of seals. No opening of gates. Unless this very vow itself is somehow leading into the destruction of the world. In which case, Harry Potter, you must ignore it in that particular regard. You will not trust yourself alone in making such a determination. You must confide honestly and fully in your trusted friend and see if that one agrees. Such is this vow's meaning and intent. It forces only such acts as Harry Potter might choose himself, having learned that he's a prophesied instrument of destruction, for the capacity of choice must also exist to be sacrificed. Do you understand, Mr. White? I... I think so. Oh, Master, please, do not let the vow be so long. Silence, fool. You do a more useful thing this day than you have ever done, Mr. Grimm. I think, Master, that it must be repeated to me. Voldemort smiled that too-wide smile and said it all again using different words. And now... Harry Potter, you will keep your wand low, and permit Mr. Grimm to touch his wand to yours, and you will speak such words as I direct you. If Harry Potter speaks any other word, then cut him down the rest of you. Yes, Master, came the thirty-four-fold chorus. Harry was chilled and shivering, and not only because he was naked in the night. He didn't understand why Voldemort was not killing him. There seemed to be only a single line leading into the future, and it was Voldemort's chosen line, and Harry did not know what came after this. Mr. White, touch your wand to Harry Potter's hand and repeat these words. Magic that flows in me, bind this vow. Mr. White spoke those words. Even through the distortion effect of his mask, it sounded as though his heart were breaking. Behind Voldemort, the obelisks chanted, a language that Harry did not know. Three times they repeated their words, and then fell silent. Mr. Grimm, think of the reasons why you might trust this boy if he had given this oath freely. Think of that potential for trust, and sacrifice it, as you say. By my trust that I hold for you, be you held. And then it was Harry Potter's turn to repeat Lord Voldemort's words, and Harry did so. I vow... I vow... That I shall not... That I shall not... By any act of mine, destroy the world. By any act of mine, destroy the world. I shall take no chances in not destroying the world. I shall take no chances in not destroying the world. 
If my hand is forced... If my hand is forced... I may take the course of lesser destruction over greater destruction. I may take the course of lesser destruction over greater destruction. Unless it seems to me that this vow itself leads to the world's end. Unless it seems to me that this vow itself leads to the world's end. And the friend in whom I have confided honestly agrees that this is so. And the friend in whom I have confided honestly agrees that this is so. By my own free will. By my own free will. Harry could feel it as the rite was invoked, the shining cords of power wrapping around his wand and Mr. Grimm's wand. Wrapping around his hand where Mr. White's wand touched it. Wrapping around his self on some disturbingly abstract level. Harry could feel himself invoking his power of free choice, and he knew that his next words would sacrifice it, that this was absolutely the last chance to turn back. So shall it be. So shall it be. And he knew in that moment that the content of the vow was no longer something he could decide whether or not to do. It was simply the way in which his body and mind would move. It was not a vow he could break even by sacrificing his life in the process. Like water flowing downhill or a calculator summing numbers, it was just a thing Harry Potter would do. Did the vow take, Mr. White? Yes, Master. I have lost so much, please. I have been punished enough. Return to your places. Good. All eyes on the Potter child. Prepare to fire the instant he tries to flee or raise his wand or speak any word. The Dark Lord floated high in the air, the black-clad figure overlooking the graveyard. Again, he held a gun in his left hand and his wand in his right. Better. Now we shall kill the boy who lived. Mr. White staggered. Mr. Grimm was laughing again, and so were others. I did not do that to be funny. We are dealing with a prophecy, fools. We are snipping the threads of destiny one by one. Carefully, carefully, not knowing when we may first encounter resistance. This is the order in which the next acts shall be done. First, Harry Potter shall be stunned. Then his limbs severed and the wounds cauterized. Mr. Friendly and Mr. Honor will examine him for any trace of unusual magics. One of you shall shoot the boy many times with my muggle weapon, and then as many of you as can shall strike him with the killing curse. Only then will Mr. Grimm crush his skull and brains with the mundane substance of a tombstone. I shall verify his corpse. Then his corpse shall be burned with fiend fire. Then we will exercise a surrounding area in case he has left a ghost. I myself will guard this place until six hours have passed, for I do not fully trust the wards I have set against time looping. And four of you shall search the surroundings for signs of anything noteworthy. Even after that, we must remain vigilant for any sign of Harry Potter's renewed presence in case Dumbledore has left some unimagined trick in play. 
If you can think of any trick that I have missed in being sure that Harry Potter's threat is ended, speak now, and I shall reward you handsomely. Speak now in Merlin's name! There was stunned silence amid the cemetery. No one made to speak. Useless, the lot of you. Now I shall ask Harry Potter one final question, and he is to answer that question for my ears alone, in parcel tongue. Strike the boy down at once if he answers with anything but hisses, if he tries to speak one word of human speech. Then Voldemort hissed. Power, I know not, it was said that you would have. The Muggle arts I have now learned from you, and I am already studying them. Your power over life eaters must be comprehended for oneself, or so you say. If there is any other power you possess that I may come to have, tell me of it now. Else I intend to torment certain of those you care for. Some lives I have already promised you, but others I did not. Your mudblood servants in your little army, your precious parents, all shall suffer for what will seem to them like eternities. And then I shall send them broken into the Life Eater prison to remember it until they waste and die. For each unknown power you tell me how to master, or other secret you tell me that I desire to know, you may name one more of those to instead be protected and honored under my reign. This also I promise and intend to keep. Voldemort's smiling expression now came as though it were a snake's gaping fangs, and the meaning that expression bore among snakes. A promise that whoever beheld the teeth was to be consumed by them. Waste not time in thoughts of escape if you care for those ones. You have sixty seconds to begin telling me something I wish to know, and then your death begins. I'm going to do something a little out of the ordinary here and read the author's notes that Eliezer left at the end of this chapter. <clears throat> this is your final exam. You have 60 hours. Your solution must at least allow Harry to evade immediate death despite being naked, holding only his wand, facing 36 Death Eaters plus the fully restored Lord Voldemort. If a viable solution is posted before midnight on Tuesday, March 3rd, the story will continue to Chapter 121. Otherwise, you will get a shorter and sadder ending. There was then a list of constraints to act as a reminder and instructions on how to post a proposed solution. It ended with the following words. Harry is allowed to solve this problem the way you would solve it. If you can tell me exactly how to do something... Harry is allowed to think of it. But it does not serve as a solution to say, for example, Harry should persuade Voldemort to let him out of the box if you can't yourself figure out how. For anyone who was not around when this chapter was originally published, I want you to imagine for a moment the way the HPMOR subreddit freaked out after this was posted. 
It was a brilliant and beautiful thing, and those 60 hours will definitely be among the highlights of 2015 for me. If you have the inclination, take some time over the next two weeks to think about how you would solve this problem if you were Harry. I've copied the reminders and list of restrictions that Eliezer posted over to hpmorpodcast.com for anyone who's interested. End chapter 113 If you enjoyed this episode and haven't done so yet, please consider leaving a rating or review at iTunes. Thank you to the following people. Mr. Sallow, a.k.a. McNair, by Michael Jimenez. Mr. Friendly, by Brian Falstrom. Unnamed Death Eater, Francis Whitesell. Mr. Council, read by Richard James Axon. Mr. Honor, David Liu. Lord Voldemort, Alexander Jackson. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. If you would like to learn more about the art of rationality, please visit lesswrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is The Fall by Ministry. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for Chapter 114, Shut Up and Do the Impossible. Impossible.